0: Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for one in a series of podcasts that document three days of workshops on the study of the Enneagram, with panels exploring the different personality types, led by Beatrice Chestnut and hosted by Michael Lerner. This episode documents the Type 7 Enneagram panel, led by Beatrice Chestnut. This is
1: the sevens. Last but not least. (laughs) Um, And we have um, Garth and Kelly and Sandy and Charlotte. And Charlotte has recently had knee surgery, and so she's very kindly to be on the panel anyway, even though she has some knee discomfort. So she may need to stand up and walk around a little bit. So if that happens, just know that that's normal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, so I'll talk a little bit about seven and then we'll open up to our experts. So type seven, the last um, type of the head triad. Um, This is, again, part of the fear triad. However, most sevens usually say they don't really relate to feeling fearful. Um, They tend to focus very much on the positive. They tend to be very optimistic and enthusiastic. Um, And the only time they they might resonate with fear is that sometimes sevens will say they do have a fear of being trapped in something unpleasant, Uh, being trapped in an emotional feeling that's uh, like discomfort or anxiety or, or boredom even. Um, and so they will tend to, um, especially unconsciously, move toward pleasure and positive things to think about and positive <laughs> emotions and away from pain. Um, now again, my, I, have a, I have a sexual seven friend who always reminds me to, to make sure to say that that's very unconscious. Uh, most sevens, it's kind of a blind spot that they're actually moving away from something. It more just feels like they're just moving towards uh, the, the looking at the bright side or seeing the silver lining or just that they're seeing what's really out there that, that is very positive. Um, but there is a, a fear of, of being that if they let in an uncomfortable emotion, if they go there a little bit, they'll be in it forever and it'll be hard for them to get out. Um, So that's more the fear that they they sometimes relate to. Um, Sevens generally, they're mental types, and their uh, mental ability is to really, they have a lot of flexibility mentally. Uh, They can skip from one idea to another very quickly. They have very quick minds, um, and they are very good at seeing connections between things that other people may see as dissimilar. Uh, but they find con- interesting connections between things. And so their minds are sometimes what's sometimes called synthesizing minds or monkey minds, uh, in that they're moving from things very, very quickly to another thing very quickly. Another seven friend of mine often says that they have bright, shiny object syndrome. Um, so there's like a looking for the next bright, shiny object that's in their field of vision. Um, the, uh, the passion here is gluttony. Um, And this is for a little bit of taste of everything that looks interesting or fun or feels good or is pleasurable. And um, the three subtypes are different in that they express a gluttony for three different kinds of experiences. Uh, Self-preservation sevens tend to be very practical. Uh, And they tend to be good at uh, getting their needs met, sometimes through a network of friends and alliances. Naranjo says they're good at creating a good mafia where they can kind of get their needs met through uh, people that they know and people that they're connected to. Um, Self-preservation sevens are very pleasure-loving. They're very good at creating opportunities for themselves and just generally making things happen through kind of knowing how to manage things and making things happen through being practical and pragmatic. The sexual seven is very opposite to that, they're more, instead of being more sort of practical, grounded in reality, they tend to be more idealistic, uh, more imaginative, it's more like heavenly things of of the higher realm, Uh, and they're probably the most optimistic uh, and see things almost so positively, it's like seeing the world through rose-colored glasses or through the optimism of someone who's in love. Uh, And it said love is blind, so sexual sevens can be a little bit suggestible, and suggestibility is the title, which means easy to hypnotize and sometimes a little bit naive about what's really happening because they're so focused on the most positive outcome or what's really good in whatever's happening, and they can live a little more in their imagination of what's good. Uh, rather than in what's maybe really happening in the moment. Uh, And of course, going into the imagination is an unconscious way of of moving into the future or into their (laughs) positive visions of what could be, uh, and an unconscious way of potentially avoiding what might be happening in the moment that doesn't feel so good or is a little bit more challenging. Um, I would say the social seven is different. Again, it's a very interesting type. Social sevens, it's as if they sense in gluttony a little bit of a tendency to want more for themselves or a self-interest. Uh, and excessive self-interest, and they decide to go against it by being for other people. So a social seven is a seven that actually can look like a two, because they tend to be very service-oriented, and they tend to move toward jobs that are concerned with the alleviation of pain. So you find them as doctors and nurses and chaplains and hospice workers, people who uh, almost have an ideal of service. Uh, and uh, the word is sacrifice, uh, and sacrificing their own self-interest for a higher ideal. So it's the person who wants to take the biggest piece of cake but decides to take the smallest piece of cake so they can give the other cake to other people. Uh, so it's an interesting type, so I like to highlight it because sometimes it's the counter type, and sometimes uh, the countertypes aren't well known uh, among people who maybe have just heard about the nine types and don't know this approach to the subtypes. So other things to say about sevens. Sevens sometimes report having a happy childhood, whether or not it actually was. Um, And they often remember things a little bit more positively than it may have happened. Um, But again, this is a very, um, this is actually, I think, comes in handy a lot uh, in work settings and in relationships because uh, I, I think there's a real strength in seeing what's positive in a situation or in a person, uh, in highlighting the positive data. Now, of course, uh, they can get in trouble when they avoid the ne- seeing the negative data, uh, but it, there is something very positive and uplifting in that sevens often want to keep the mood up and they want things to be better for everybody. Uh, and so there often is a very positive intention behind uh, their uh, positive thinking uh, and, uh, they tend to be very good at generating ideas and brainstorming and being visionaries and innovative, out-of-the-box thinkers. They also tend to be very futuristic or future-oriented and see, seeing, having clear visions of how something could be in the future. Okay, so let's leave it there and we'll turn to the real experts um, to talk a little bit about type 7. So I'm wondering if it would be a good idea to start all the way over with you, Charlotte, just um, to um, allow you to talk in case you need to take care of your knee. Um, But I'd love to hear how you relate to seven and how you found yourself as a seven and uh, how you see this type playing out for you in your life.
2: Okay, well, It's sort of interesting because I had done a number of Enneagram workshops, um, probably, I don't know, maybe in in the 90s. Um, And every time I went to one, I mean, it would be a full weekend. And I just I thought I was every one of the nine types. It was drove me crazy. I could just Mm -hmm. relate to everyone. I said, there's. How can I possibly use this? Because I I do I work a lot with Myers-Briggs and do a lot of other instruments. And I do executive coaching and team building. And so I said, how can I possibly ever use this with a client when I don't know who I am? How can I possibly help somebody else know who they are? And then um, a mutual friend of ours uh, suggested that I go to the Enneagram um, Enneagram workshop, get certified in um, an instrument um, from South Africa. And I just rolled my eyes and I said, really, you know, not another one, blah, blah. And I went and it was fabulous. It was like the first time I got the report, I read this thing, and I think what really made me realize that I was a seven was the part about um, fear and anxiety, being the motivator. That was like, out of all of them, I thought, no, it's not anger, you know, it's not the esteem one, no, it's definitely fear and anxiety. From the time I was a small child, I was just so fearful growing up, I really was, and I What I did with it is I went to spirituality from a very young age. I used to just pray every night. And my prayers were, don't let there be a fire in the home. Don't let there be a world war. Don't let their burglars come in. I mean, I had it covered with my prayers at night. I was just so filled with fear. So that was a part of me. But the other part of me was this whole imaginative world that I could create that i remember wanting a piano and creating a keyboard on the chest of drawers in my <laughs> in my bedroom and playing for a long time like playing piano on this mm-hmm. little fake keyboard you know so and having imaginary friends and and just really being able to go outside with my friends and create these scenarios we create plays and i'd be busy all the time and i'd be totally up in this other fantasy world that when I realized now was just what was really creating happiness for me because there was some problems in my home with alcohol. And so it, it was a loving family, but a tough, you know, really tough issues at home. So I think my imagination was just a great way of escaping this sort of tendency to be anxious and fearful and, um, real issues that I had in my home with my, uh, particularly my father. So, um, yeah, I would say that was...
1: Yep. Yeah, you hear that from Seven's talk. We'll talk about the way they coped with fear was to kind of escape into their imagination where they can sort of create the experience they'd rather be having almost or yeah. or be with something more pleasant in their mind um, as a way of coping with what wasn't so pleasant. And so right. then it becomes a, a habit. Yeah.
2: Right. And then I I really saw it in my career, the whole thing, I mean, the words that come to mind that resonated for me when I did this, this uh, instrument, The word possibility. I mean, I love the word. You just have to say possibility to me, and I'm your friend. Like, I'm going to go there with you. Possibility is just so cool for me. And fun, you know, fun. Whenever I'm doing a workshop, one of the goals I have on a flip chart is fun. Making we have to, work
1: fun we, is it something has to be fun. do well, yes.
2: And I have a, a quick story about that, which is so funny because I was an HR director in a bank for a while on Cape Cod. And when I left, I was there for seven or eight years and I used to make... Our managers do these really fun team building things. I do training with them once a month and make them do all sorts of weird stuff. And um, when I left, they had hired a photographer to go up to the top of a balcony of the bank, and they made their bodies say (laughs) (laughs) F-U-N. And that was my pre- my going away present, uh, was because that wow. was what I always wanted us to have at work, was right. was we had to have fun. If we didn't have fun, forget it. So, um, and then, you know, changing jobs, the whole, at freedom was the third word. So, mm-hmm. possibilities mm-hmm. fun, freedom. And so, don't fence me in. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, and I've been divorced for a number of years, and I think... You know, that is an issue, I think, for me, is that I just don't want to be fenced in. It's, you know, I don't have a problem with commitment, but I don't want to be fenced in. So, um, yeah, so don't fence me in in jobs either. And so I ended Mm -hmm. up going out on my own in the 90s and having my own consulting business, which I've had for almost 30 years. I mean, I'm some, I call it semi-retired now, but pretty much on my way out. But yeah, for about 30 years. So just
1: doing my own thing, being my own boss. No limits, yes. No, yeah. yeah. So really. Yeah, Yeah. thanks for highlighting that. That's really important that sevens are very sensitive to their freedom being restricted by other, from the outside yeah. um, and losing options. Yeah. And so I think it's very important that you highlight that. That's, yeah. That's really clear. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sandy, what does this look like for you? How did you come to seven and how does that play out?
3: Uh, I started studying the Enneagram probably in the 90s as well. And I was reading Helen Palmer's book, her first book. And as I was going, similar to you, I was like... Oh, I think I'm this. Oh, I think I'm that. Oh, I thought I was a two because I'm a giver in relationships. I thought I was a four because in relationships, I always was like the push-pull, trying to seek the unattainable. But when I landed at seven and I read it, I was like embarrassed thinking, oh my God, they're writing about me. I mean, it just hit me. It just hit me. And fear was something I never thought I was a fearful person, never, until I started studying the anagram and realizing how fearful I was and how reframing everything, try to make everything positive. And, um, anyway, that's Mm kind of how Mm -hmm. I came about it.
1: And do you also relate to this part about not being limited from the outside? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't
3: like to be limited. I don't, um, I don't have so much an issue with commitment. Um, I've been married 13 years happily. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but I don't like to be, like in my job, I like freedom. I like flexibility. Flexibility is really important to me. Flexibility, fun is key. The the job I have now, that's one of the company's values is fun. So it mm-hmm. that worked out well. Um, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else.
1: And by the way, I think it's a myth that sevens can't commit. I yeah, think that's yeah. a real misconception because yeah. I find that most seven, sevens I know, I mean, they may be... Really thoughtful before they commit to something, you yeah. know, like they make sure. But once they commit, you know, like several of my good seven friends are been married a long time, very yeah. committed, um, commit to jobs. I mean, I think I think that's a myth. So I'm I, I I'm glad that you both kind of said you don't have a problem com- committing because yeah. I I kind of want to highlight that as something that I think it's is a stereotype of sevens and mm-hmm. not necessarily really true.
3: Mm-hmm. What one of my challenges is, um, as you mentioned earlier is, um hanging out with those emotions that are challenging like sadness or um you know really challenging times and that's been you know or somebody a friend who has a problem and they continue to have this problem they continue to have and mm. I I'm there and I want to help and I want to be supportive and then nothing changes and then I get frustrated and mm-hmm. then I don't I'm you know I'm tired of that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, move on already. You right. know I mean? right. Um <laughs> and I'm yeah, try- you know, I try to be, you know, not so judgmental about it, but it, that.
1: What do you think it is about those feelings or emotional experiences that that's hard for a seven or for you?
3: Um, well, one, I used to say the same thing, like fear of going there is the abyss. I'll I'll never get out to Mm -hmm. either let myself go there to feel if I felt everything that I truly felt, like I can cry at a commercial, a stupid commercial Mm -hmm. that I'll start crying about all the ills of the world. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I don't want to let myself get there. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I, it does
1: I, feel like it would be never-ending. It
3: yet. feels like it'd be never-ending, and mm-hmm. yet when I do have those moments when I can let my guard down and really get into my feelings and have a good cry, it's it's really refreshing, and it's cleansing, and it's mm-hmm. it kind of lifts a weight up, yes. you know, And but it's so hard to get there. Yes,
1: yes, yes, and sometimes life takes us there, right? Yeah. I mean, things happen, and I find that just like – I think it's unfortunate that people will say if you're a 4 you if you're if you're happy you can't be a 4. It's similar for 7. I think some 7s have gone through some tough right. stuff and it doesn't right. mean they can't do it. It just right. means their sort of sort of first level response can mm-hmm. be like just sort of reframing mm-hmm. or something like
3: that. Right. And I've had friends who have, you know, challenged me when they've gone through hard times feeling like I wasn't there for them and <clears throat> that's mm-hmm. been hard for me to mm-hmm. to hear and um pay attention to that and mm-hmm. hopefully a lesson for me for going forward mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be better at that. You right, know? right, so. right, right. And
1: can you give us an example of reframing? Because I think that's a, it's both a seven gift, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it can also be a problem. Um, can you
3: give us an example of how that might happen or how you've done that? I do do it. I do it a lot. Um, but a specific example, um, Huh. I can't think of a specific, but yep. it's
1: that maybe it's something about how it happens.
3: Generally, yeah. like if it's a if it's a negative thing, I want to I want to think the best case scenario. Um well, I'm thinking about something that's going on right now on TV. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you all are, heard about Jesse Smollett. Yeah. 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 So I watch Empire. I love his character on the show. Mm-hmm. And when this thing first happened to him, I was like, felt so bad for him. Uh, you know, like all this stuff. And now the twist that's going around, like, I, I don't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna keep thinking, no.
1: You want to keep thinking positively about him. I want to keep thinking positive him. that,
3: mm-hmm. that he, didn't, he didn't create that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a that'll Well, I, I think it's,
1: I think it's actually a good example because I think a lot of sevens do that with the people in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my friend who's a sexual seven says that sometimes her friends will say to her, look, I'm not as awesome as you think I am. You know, <laughs> yeah. that there's a real, yeah. but, but again, I think yeah. it can be a, a, a beautiful trait of a yeah. seven of like really seeing the good in us.
3: Yeah. 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 And I was talking about that with a friend at work, a coworker, and she's like, he's crazy. I'm like, you know, I wanted to defend him. Maybe he is, but you know, anyway. Um, so yeah. And then the, the flip side of that is not seeing the reality, Mm -hmm. you know? And so always making everything positive. Well, everything is not positive, you know, Mm -hmm. what is, what is true? What is real? So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Thank you. Welcome. So Kelly, how did you discover you were a seven and how does this play out for you?
4: I had I dated this guy years ago, and and I didn't know anything about the Enneagram at the time. And he just looked at me one day, and he goes, you're a seven. And I'm like, what is a seven? And I did just kind of set it aside, and I didn't think much about it for years and years and years. And then um, I became a Myers-Briggs junkie. And I studied that for a really long time, and I got really proficient at it. And I could type anybody talking to them for half a, half a minute, and I would know what they were. <laughs> and so then I... Um, I had a friend invite me to um, a woman locally who does uh, a lot of Enneagram teaching to one of her panels. And I sat up there and I was listening to everybody. I was like, I love this stuff. This is like my new area of study and I want to start learning. So I joined a couple of her groups and I've only been learning this for about a year and a half. So I'm fairly new to it. And when I heard the sevens on her panel talking, I knew clearly what this guy years ago said, you're a seven, and I knew what he meant. And it's just for me, I'm, even when I was really little, sort of like what you're saying about having this fantasy life and same kind of thing. I had these like imaginary little friends and I would get aggravated with my parents over something. And I remember my sister and I had these like imaginary friends and we'd sit and talk to them and we'd talk about our anger towards our parents and we'd talk about all these things, but it was like our real little world that we could create that was a safe place for us to go. And, uh, and then as I kept, growing more and learning more and now that i look back on different parts of my life i see how jobs like i i can't tell you how many jobs i've had and how many roommates i've had and how many boyfriends i've had and it's like there's always one that's better and there's always a job that's more fun and when the job the person on the five panel that said that he didn't understand the definition of boring i was like really? <laughs> and I, like, boring is such a, a profound word for me because the minute I feel any sense of boredom, I'm like, oh, it's time to do something different. It's time mm-hmm. to get a new job. It's time to get a new boyfriend. It's, you know, and, um, and my current boyfriend is in this room right now, just so you know. Um, so, Un- so, <laughs> Right, right, he's a disguise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So and it's always this sense of adventure. You know, it's it's always a sense of wanting to have more fun and and do things that are more exciting. And like, for instance, we went on a, a trip around the country in an RV for for five weeks over the summer. And, you know, then we came back to reality. And I was like, within the next week, I was like, when is our next trip and where are we going and what's the next thing? And, and, and not really wanting to get back into the reality of my life, which is which is, oh, you, you have to work and you have to you know, have a job and you have to do these things. And it's to me, it's just always been about so much fun. And then about four months ago, I hit a very interesting point in my life where I had um, my back was completely out. And it's the first time in my life I've ever had physical pain. And I literally, for two and a half months, was on my back and standing and on my back and standing. And I couldn't move and I couldn't walk. And I'm a big yoga teacher. I'm a yoga therapist. And I couldn't do anything with my body. And that was my way to get through everything. I would always escape through my hot yoga and my movement and my walking and running and hiking. And when I couldn't do this anymore and I was literally flat on my back, I was kicking and screaming and miserable and trying to be graceful, but I, I wasn't doing it very well. And, um, and then I started realizing the, the, the real uh, value of going into those dark places and going into the pain and seeing what is behind the pain and where it comes from. And it's been, it's been a real teaching tool. You know, it's only been a few weeks that I've actually been sitting in a chair. So it's, it's really uh, been humbling and, and, now that I can actually experience life again, I, I know that it's important for me to actually go to those places. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really important for sevens when they can do that work. And it's very precious, you know, Mm -hmm. that when they allow themselves and it sounds like you learn through experience that
4: it didn't last forever. Right, but I thought it was going to last forever. Yes. And I put all those scenarios in my head, like, what if I never walk again? And what if I can only stand up? And what if I can't work? And what if I can't have fun? And what if I can't sit in the RV? And what if I can't go out to a restaurant? Or I can't go for it? Like, this was constant going on in my head. Um... So it, it, yeah. The real anxiety about the loss of freedom. Totally, totally. And what if this is forever? And it's interesting.
1: My teaching partner, Uranio, says that actually sevens are the most pessimistic type Mm -hmm. because they think if they let this pain in, it'll last forever. And that's a real pessimistic point of view. Um, And so I want to highlight again, it's like, it sounds like you had an experience that it didn't last forever. And so I think making sure that you make, notice that, you know, and that sevens can kind of reassure
4: themselves around, you know, it, it won't last forever, even though I, like, I fear it will, you know. Yeah. yeah. And now I feel like I just want to keep, I want to just do so many things now because I haven't been able to, Right. you know, and I just, and so someone said, do you want to be on a panel? And I said, yes, you know, I I, I don't care if I can sit, but I'll go. (laughs) Yes, yes, the possibilities are again open to you. Yeah, Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And do you do reframing? Like, do you naturally reframe negatives into positives? Yeah,
4: yeah, especially Mm -hmm. like if a friend will call me up and tell me about like a hard day she's having or she's doing a, a, I have this friend who's doing this remodel on her house right now and she's doing a kitchen project. And every time she calls me up, she's telling me about, oh, it's the, I had to go get the tile. The tile isn't the right color and it's not matching the, the countertop. And finally, one day I said to her, I was like, you're having a brand new kitchen put in your place or buy a brand new bathroom. Like how exciting is this? I love the tile. It's so beautiful. And like, and just trying to get her to look on the positive side of what she's experiencing is such a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I do that often with people because mm-hmm. I just, I, it was like you were saying too, like when people start telling us all these negative things and I, and, Perhaps also there's a fear of not wanting to get into that negative space with them. Mm-hmm. And so wanting to speak positively mm-hmm. so that they can get into a positive space so I don't go down with them.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want to pull you out, but it's also about me, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yep, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So Garth, how how have you how have you dis- recognized that you're a 7 and what does this look like for you? How do you relate to these
5: patterns. Yeah. Um, I don't have as, probably as much experience with the Enneagram as many of you do, but I've been around it and uh, conversations about it and just sort of absorbed it up through osmosis through so many friendships over the years. And um, I remember taking a test maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and I just instantly recognized myself. It wasn't any anything mm-hmm. like many of you have spoken about, you know, gosh, am I this, am I that, am I this? It was very, very clear to me. I recognized my my nature. When I was um, one of the most probably influential experiences that I've had in my life happened when I was in the fifth grade. A student teacher came in uh, to class, and she was with us for some time. And she had us for a week or so um, put our heads down on the desk, and she'd put on classical music, and have us imagine just just what comes into your mind when you listen to this music. And then afterwards, we wrote, and you know, this wonderful, extraordinary world opened up. I was already a reader, but now I didn't even have to have words. There was just the music and my own imagination was off on these wonderful flights. And it was so, it was so tremendous that, um, that, Years later, when I got into education myself in my early 20s, well, even before that, I started telling stories when I was in my maybe 17, 18 years old as a camp counselor and saw how children responded to stories. And I realized how powerful um, story was for imagination. Then in my early 20s, I started making uh, guided imagery uh, uh, recordings, CDs of teaching environmental education through, you know, be a swan and go on a swan migration, feel the wind across your face and feel the the wind in your feathers and feel your feet touching down on the ice cold water, you know, and the the stars in the water. Just this this huge imaginative world was enormous. So, and I did a lot of that and then became a professional storyteller actually. And Mm -hmm. for 10 years, I spent my life in the world of the imagination which was vast Mm. I could um, I routinely would lay down on a couch and be completely motionless for two hours and get an enormous amount of work done you're
0: listening to a TNS episode from the Enneagram panel workshop series with Beatrice Chestnut and host Michael Lerner
5: I could walk (laughs) I could walk through you know all the different elements in my imagination and mm-hmm. my movements my facial expressions my voice all the details of the story all of that completely inwardly so the imagination was really really important to me mm-hmm. and uh, another uh, strong element of my of my nature from a very early age was um was this sort of mystical orientation um, i was very attracted to ideas and particularly um, idealistic ideas expansive ideas Um, Gosh, I think I was 12 when our Boy Scout Scout troop went on this big big hike. And we took the wrong trail. And it was my first big hike. I'd only been in the scout for a few months. And back in those days, there weren't um, light equipment. And so I had like 50 pounds on my 12-year-old back. And we ended up climbing up this huge mountain after going around in a circle. And by the time we got to the top you know, boys were just falling down, weeping, you know, with the exhaustion. And I got to the top and I had a mountaintop experience. I just felt God everywhere. You know, I, mm. I looked out over the valleys and over the mountaintops and there was God everywhere. And that became a touchstone for me. I looked for that, you know, ever after that.
6: Mm. So
5: by the time I was in high school, I was reading Emerson. The whole idea of football games and proms, it was just like, mm. <laughs> you know, no mm. interest whatsoever. And I'm very much expansive <laughs> in, my, in my orientation. Mm. So by the time I was in my early 20s, I was a monk in a yoga community mm. and meditating a lot. And... Um, the downside of it was I didn't, I, I'm definitely not the, the practical subtypes mm-hmm. of the,
4: mm-hmm. the self-preservation. <laughs> so I was like
5: 50 before I decided to check how much money I had in my bank account. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, yes. So, you know, the whole idea of career planning, financial planning, you know, I could, I, spreadsheets, just completely foreign mm-hmm. to my nature. Mm-hmm. And I've had to force myself into that, you know, in, in later years. Um, adventure, uh, I, I've loved, um, I've loved adventure. I was always in trees when I was a boy. And later on I was in rivers and I could swim in big currents. You know, I didn't care if I got sucked under the water, it would let me up. It was 30 seconds, a minute. It would let me up. And I would just relish the, the feeling of being, being turned in the, in the currents. I remember in Hawaii, I was in this, um, the, the seven sacred pools on Maui and i was down there washing back and forth with tide, with the tidal currents coming in and out and people were screaming at me get out of there get out of there you're going to drown i said no i'm having a wonderful time this is fantastic mm. so that that was very much my nature you know mm. so for, even yeah. doing <clears throat> borderline dangerous things yeah definitely but doing but seeing borderline dangerous it as a dangerous. grand
1: adventure yeah, exactly. in a positive way
5: right and cuz it put me mm-hmm. also in touch with what was beyond me you know these mm. big these big powers of nature the wind and, mm. the, and the water and the tides and the mm. all of that expansive kind of stuff was extremely you know right comfortable to me
1: and we just heard from the sixes and one might experience those things and feel afraid but it <clears throat> sounds like that wasn't your experience at all it was this expanded consciousness or this very positive experience yeah 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 and um what about, do you ever, have you ever experienced this sort of focus on the positive as a moving away from pain or what, how has it been in your life when things have been difficult? Has it been, what's that been like? Has it been yeah, hard to navigate? Well,
5: I, I have to speak in the past tense there because I, I do remember, um, you know, when I was in my twenties, I didn't have much patience for the ordinary mm-hmm. and I didn't have patience for ordinary people. The idea of living in a house in a, in a, in a neighborhood was just ridiculous. And you know, I discounted people who did ordinary things. You know, if you were an electrician or a or a, a gardener or a carpenter, I just completely discounted it because it didn't have any value.
1: Was there a sense that it was and boring? A little bit yes, like what Kelly was boring, saying. Yes, very boring.
5: Exactly. Boring. It was not, boring. Not
1: exciting enough. Yeah,
5: and that was also true of of the emotional world. To answer your question. Mm. Mm -hmm. So when things, when difficulties came up or people complained or I had, I had problems, I didn't have any patience for it. I would just, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of uh, get myself out of it as quickly as I could with, Mm -hmm. with more, you know, visionary, expansive Mm -hmm. ideas. But over the years, of course, life happens and um, difficulties happen and I had my share, certainly and so I've you know gotten extremely comfortable with um, with the dark side of things, with the shadows, and learned the the enormous value that's there and uh, the gift of of these experiences mm-hmm. through life experience. So, you've through life had, experience, to, you had yeah. to learn to navigate exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about, are you also sensitive to having your freedom limited?
5: Yeah, very mm-hmm. much so. Um, and, and I run my own business. I like my own hours. I like being able to choose, you know, mm-hmm. what days I have free, what weeks I have free. Mm-hmm. I like to be able to make those decisions on the, on mm-hmm. as I go along, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very flexible. And I've had my freedom limited in quite a few ways in my life. Um, and it, I have not liked it at all but mm-hmm. it's been a, it's been a lot of source of growth for me mm-hmm. and the way it's been a source of growth is probably you know might be looked at by many people as a as a fantasy i just go inward you know i go inward into into what i feel is my spiritual freedom mm-hmm. and that that helps me a tremendous amount <clears throat>
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think hearing a theme that, that spirituality is sort of part of a part of the way to negotiate this the difficulty mm-hmm. and 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 how that is as a support Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Sure. Okay. So um, now maybe starting with Charlotte again, um, uh, we'd love to hear about, you know, how you've used insights around being a seven for growth. And also if you want to add anything about your subtype, um, if you know it.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: Okay. So
2: so my subtype is I'm a self-prez. And um, one of the things that I didn't mention that I think is really important is career-wise, in 1981, I discovered the Creative Problem Solving Institute in Buffalo, New York. And a friend said, you should go out there, explore it. I had been a teacher. I went out there, and it was like I walked into my world Mm -hmm. because it was all learning the Osborne Parnes creative problem-solving process we learned. And all about creativity. So it was a week-long workshop in Buffalo with about a 1,000 people from around the world there to learn about creativity. And I just went, oh, my God, mm-hmm. what is this? So I went back home and then put got a leave from my teaching job and decided to go into business. It was when I totally changed my career. I used, it was like a springboard of this problem-solving process. I used it as a springboard to launch myself into another career because what everyone was doing facilitating this process, I said, that's what I'm going to be doing. I want to do that. So I kind of then planned my career. And this kind of ties back to the self-prez because a self-prez seven, from what I understand, um, we're pretty more practical than, than mm-hmm. some of the other seven. So I think I was very practical in laying out, oh my God, this is what I want to do when I grow up. And here are the steps that I'm going to need to do it. And I actually use the problem solving process to create a vision for myself and this plan, which I've now incorporated into a process that I call future scaping that I use with my
1: <laughs> wow, it's so perfect. That makes so much and sense. And it
2: really is just, a, it's not rocket science. It sounds like it is. It really isn't. It's just um, looking at what's working, what's not working, envisioning what you want, and coming up with a plan to get there. Mm-hmm. So I created this futurescaping process. I used it on myself. I went through everything. And that's how I eventually, by 94, got into my own business. So you kind
1: of reinvented yourself.
2: I totally did. Yeah, yeah. I had to go back and get a degree in business and I had been in education and, um, so very practical, you know, I, and that's my self press coming out. I've taken care of myself pretty well. Mm-hmm. I really have, you know, I've been a single mom and raised my kids. And so the commitment thing to your point, very committed to mm-hmm. the things that I care about, very, very committed. And, And follow through. And, and I think I'm pretty responsible.
1: Right. Right.
2: (laughs) You know, so, um, so I know sevens are given a bad rap because of that, but I don't relate to that at all because I've totally been on my own. In you know, all these years and made it work. So, right. um,
1: and I like how your story brings together a lot of different things about sevens, which their sevens tend to relate to being problem solvers yeah. and being creative problem yeah. solvers, right? Like being able to imagine a lot of different things and play with a lot of different scenarios in their heads and almost enjoy the process of problem solving and the reframing. Cause when I'm right. working with a
2: client, You know, all of a sudden they're working on this and I'll see the connection over here with what they could be doing. Right. And I'll offer it and I'll go, yeah. So I think maybe being able to see connections that um, I might not have seen. And the other thing about the self-pres is the gluttony piece about networking And when I read that, it was embarrassing to me because (laughs) I realized how I do that. And when I moved, I moved from um, New England to to come out here because my daughter had a baby Charlotte. So um, Mm. I realized, got to go. So I moved to, um, to California to be, you know, closer to my family. And it meant I really had to start my business over again. And I was 65. And... So I, um, I started networking and I called it, I had a book. I still have it. It's called the networking machine. (laughs) (laughs) And I, every person I met at any breakfast, I had this whole list. I still have this thing. I don't, I feel like I need to give it to somebody because I don't want to throw it away, but it's just got everybody. I knew how I met them, you know, Mm. so I could, because, and that's how I developed my business on the West Coast was right. this, this networking machine. But with the gluttony in <laughs> the gluttony about creating the network so that I would feel safe and secure. And that's what right. I was doing. I was creating all these people in my life that might bring me income. That right? could meet so, your
1: needs right through the network. Yeah. And also self- <laughs> Pro are so good at creating opportunities for themselves. Yeah. Right, And we even met through, we have a mutual friend through a self-prez seven (laughs) who did a similar thing and totally reinvented her career and did it really well. Like really practically, like was like, didn't really, like was really interested in the Enneagram, didn't know much about it learned about it and has created this really successful business. Yeah, she's
2: amazing. And it's another
1: example, I think, of what self-preservation sevens can be very good at, like envisioning it, making it happen. How can I network to get the needs met? And self-preservation sevens are the seven who tend to be a little bit more in touch with fear and anxiety. Um, really? Yeah, because I definitely... And most self-preservation sevens I talk to, they they, they are the ones that, that are more conscious of it in an ongoing yeah. way, where there's other sevens must say they don't really experience it very much at all, or only when they've had like a life circumstance yeah. that really brought it up.
2: Yeah. And that just the development, just to add to, you yes. know, you, that was part of your question Please. was... It's really through meditation. I mean, it's going to the five. Mm -hmm. So uh, taking a vision quest, going to the desert, you know.
1: Allowing yourself to go deeper into something, especially yourself.
2: Yeah, to go deeper into myself has really been key. And nature, nature does it for me. So I, you know, just hikes, walks in nature to be close to God. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, get in touch with that spirit within me. Is there
1: a piece about slowing down? Because totally, I know sevens yeah. can be very fast paced. Yeah. They think very quickly and they can move. And I once knew a seven and he talked so quickly, I could barely keep up with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it sounds like that's part of this is like slowing down and sort of allowing yourself to sink into your own experience yeah. more.
2: Yeah.
1: And that, that sounds like what you're describing. And certainly spirituality is yeah. one avenue that yeah. can help that a lot. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So, Sandy, anything you want to say about your subtype and also what's helped you to grow and develop?
3: I think I lean towards the self president in terms of just taking care of myself. I I love it when my refrigerator's filled with food. I always carry my water bottle with me. I, you know, just always (laughs) um, just taking care of that that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, Do you relate to being practical as well? Yeah, I think so. I think so, and I and I think I'm more in touch with my fear and my anxiety, mm-hmm. I, and I and I don't know if this ties into being more on the six wing side, mm-hmm. you know, like. I don't know if you're going to get, get to this question later, but in terms of the wings, I'm probably lean more on the six side. I was relating a lot to the six panel, mm-hmm. um, but can definitely tap into the eight when I see some injustice, but mm-hmm. that fear and anxiety being practical. I've got a four. I've been saving money for, I'm <clears throat> concerned about security in my retirement will I have enough, you know, that kind of thing. Networking. I've knock on wood. I've been so successful. I've had a lot of jobs, but it's, by through networking. Mm-hmm. People who I know, I've had jobs where they created a job for me mm-hmm. to come in. where There wasn't a job there. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's helped. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have some social in me as well. Yep. I've been in, actively involved with organizations. Um, you know, I guess in reading about here, like with the gluttony is like the sacrifice of my own time to give back to an organization. I was thinking time. about
1: that with yeah. you because we've been involved in the same organization. Yes. I know you've given a lot of your time.
3: Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. That's... Okay. What
1: about growth and it's gr- helped you to grow in light of the seven?
3: Yeah. Um, something that I continue to try to do and it, because I'm so much in my head <laughs> is really to drop down and, and get into my body, um, <clears throat> meditate, which is hard to do, um, but I I continue to try, and I will continue to try. Um, Being physical, being outdoors, definitely. Uh, Running, being in my body, doing body things, like running or riding my bike, or just skiing or something outdoors. Mm -hmm. Helps a lot, walking in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, Peace, quiet, music. Mm -hmm. Those are things that help me to calm down, or rather slow down, I should say, not calm, but slow down. And yeah,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, getting out of your head,
3: getting out of my head, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And what's helped you in terms of being more with your feelings or discomfort or anxiety? Is there anything that you've done that's allowed that to become easier over
3: time? I think stopping and breathing, and before reacting or when I'm feeling a reaction coming up, just kind of trying to get my observer mm-hmm. enacted to mm-hmm. see that, oh, I'm having a reaction here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do I really feel? Like
1: To slow the whole thing slow down. To slow the whole thing down,
3: also touch, you know, get more in touch with my gut mm-hmm. and what's my intuition telling me about mm-hmm. something. Um, so just trying to pay more attention to that.
1: Mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Great. Great. Thank you. So, Kelly, you I think you said you're
4: one-to-one
6: or sexual yeah. subtype. Yeah, yeah.
4: one-to-one. I, I'm not so much sure about speaking to it. I know that it has a lot to do with, like, um, just not living in reality so much. Mm-hmm. And uh always... Yeah, I, I have this this whiteboard where I have like all these different ideas on it. And they're all ideas, in my mind, they're all multi-million dollar businesses. <laughs> but the thing is, I'll start one of them or I'll start talking about one and then like a month or two later, I'm like that there's something else that comes up that's more exciting. And then I'll have another idea for a business. And then, you know, and then, and then I'll want someone to come along with me and help me with the business because I have too many ideas and I need somebody who's a little bit stronger at business to kind of help me uh, put it together. Um, and as I'm not so much the sexual part. I'm not so much uh, how to speak to it so much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then and I think there is, I think for me, the subtype is often even more important, although the sexual piece can be part of it. But I think part of it is uh, that it, there's almost like a drive to see things as super in a super positive way, uh, like mm. kind of like what you're already saying, you know. And I've also heard that, like for instance, when people. Uh, work with other people, they can see what the positive for them even more than the person themselves can see it for them. So being able to envision positive possibilities for other people as well as yourself.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And that's true too. I had a a client who for about a year who was in a wheelchair and she, she was limited. She had a stroke and, and it was, it was a really, a, a really cool situation for me because I got to take her out and do whatever I thought was fun. And so where she thought she might be limited in this, and like she she, she she couldn't really stand, but she loved to play golf. So I remember taking her to a golf course one day and just trying to give her a little bit of confidence. You know, we went to play putt-putt golf. And so whatever she thought might be a limitation, I would help her to see that perhaps it wasn't a limitation for her. Mm-hmm. And, and that was just a really, that was a, a really exciting part for me with her. Um, and then also I relate a little bit with the social part too, because I've done a lot of different volunteer work and volunteered with different organizations and given so much of my time and in an ideal world, that's what I would do. I would start philanthropic organizations and do volunteer work for the rest of my life because I love that so much and giving back and it takes a lot of time to do that. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And so what have you, how have you used these insights about being a seven to grow on your, you know, in terms of your own development?
4: Yeah, one of one of the the guys in my enneagram class that, that I go to, he's a five, and the other day I texted him and I said. I would love to spend a day in the life of you. And he was like, what? And That's and a good should, idea. Yeah. And so I wanted just to hang out with him for a day to see, like, what his quiet world was like, which I've learned is not so quiet. Um, <laughs> we heard that from the five, especially <laughs> exactly, on the inside. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's just actually learning. It's going to a, a seven-night silent retreat and getting really quiet. And I really love to talk. And my, I told some friends that I was going to go do that. And they were like, what, you're going to go be quiet for a week. And, but really it's getting into those quiet spaces and getting into myself. And like you were saying more into my body and recognizing when stress is coming in and where it's hitting me and where I'm feeling it in my body to be able to really breathe into it and to get, to get calm and quiet. And nature is a great place and meditation. I've, done meditation on and off, you know, when I do it for a month straight, I feel totally different. And then the next month there'll be way too many events to meditate. So Mm -hmm. then I'll have to get back into it again. I'll have to keep bringing myself back to this quiet place. And I know that that's where my growth is. And that's where the learning is for me is in, in the quiet spaces out in nature and just learning to still the mind and feel into the body.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. That's well put. Um, I, I know that it's funny. Sometimes when people learn the Enneagram and they learn about the seven, it's like the type people want to be. Like, I want to be a seven. Mm-hmm. They're having all the mm-hmm. fun. Um, but I know that part of what s- sevens sometimes say is that it's also one of the downsides can be having a difficult conversation or having a conflict with someone. Can Can you speak to maybe what it, how that's been for you? Has... Uh, when, when you get into the tough stuff in relationship, how do you experience that
4: and, and what have you done around that? Well, since I'm dating a nine <laughs> and we've neither one of us like conflict too much. Um, and I yeah, I, I don't mind bringing it up. I don't mind bringing up a topic or something that's that's challenging, but actually like following through and and getting into the depth of conversation sometimes I, I find myself like, well, I want to pull more things out of him for sure. <laughs> and um, and then yet I, I I think that I'm this very vulnerable person and that I can open up and share really everything that's going on inside of me. But I've learned that I'm actually that's learning for me too. Mm-hmm. so so it's not it's not been that easy to deal with conflict. and and also, like in in areas of like friendships, you know, i I have um a specific friend that I'm thinking of who, well, we'll just she'll she'll challenge me or she'll she'll judge me for something because I am I'm too excited about something or I'm too this or I'm not focused enough or whatever. And I and it's what I do oftentimes is I, I shut down. And I'll just shut down mm-hmm. and just retreat and just like pretend that it's that it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. So then I that way I don't have to talk about it. I don't have to face it. And then eventually it will come up, and I'll and we'll kind of tip. Sometimes it's tiptoeing around things. Mm-hmm. I notice that I do that, mm-hmm. um, and not being completely direct in a conflict. Mm-hmm.
1: And I know that sevens. I've heard from sevens that they can actually be more self-critical than we think <sighs> they are. Like we because they always look like they're okay. Yeah. We think that they're not beating themselves up, but I think it's, is it true that sevens can really be very self-critical and they can take criticism to heart?
4: Totally. Yeah. 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 I, um, I noticed that I can react to criticism like really quickly and I have to stop myself and take a breath and actually pause before I'm going to respond to something when I feel like I am being criticized. And oftentimes I remember even growing up, like my parents would say something to me and I'd get upset or I'd be angry. And they would say, we're, we're just talking to you. We're we're not, we're not criticizing you. We're not telling you that anything is wrong or that you're bad or that you're this, but I was so sensitive that Mm -hmm. I would oftentimes take things that way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I do, I beat myself up a lot. I didn't, it's -hmm. funny because I didn't really realize it until this current relationship that I'm in now, how much I beat myself up and how not gentle with myself I am and Mm how I'm always, it's like, I'm at least this internal perfectionist, but there's, Mm -hmm. it's never perfect enough and I don't, and I'll, and it will never be perfect enough. So I can keep trying and keep doing and keep doing, but it's like that the doing isn't going to get it more perfect to actually stopping and slowing down is going to make it. So it's a little bit easier. Right. Mm -hmm. Really well said. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks.
5: Yeah. I can relate to that Yeah. very much. The, the, the sense of, um, of, of the ideal is so beautiful of how a person mm. might be, how I might be, how I should be. And, and I think that after all of this work and all these years of trying to be, you know, that I'm, I get hugely disappointed when I get mm. sometimes feedback that tells me that I'm not there. Mm. And so mm-hmm. sometimes it really hits deeply and might take a day or two or three or a week or two mm. or three wow. to get through. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so you've touched on this a little bit about what you've done to grow, but uh, what other things do you think in terms of this path, in terms of being very positive and expansive, but also having to deal, learn to deal with some of the difficulties? What what lessons have you learned or how have you uh, coped
5: with that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, uh, uh, did you want me to talk about the subtype as well? Oh, or? sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I missed that. Yes, That's please okay. do. Sure. Um, so I think you got the idea that I'm pretty much the the one-on-one sexual subtype um, for sure. And that was that was certainly um, very true when I was younger. Um, I could relate a great deal to what you, you all said about uh, about having an idea, visioning it out really clearly, making it happen, seeing what needed to happen, putting out the energy, making it happen. I've, I've created like three careers, you know, that were all unusual, um, and, and unique, uh, that I just sort of created out of thin air mm. and made them all work. Um, uh, so I feel like I have that. That what's it called self self preservation yeah, yeah quality you've got that as well, in there very strongly <laughs> yeah on the the, the social side um, there's there's elements I've been involved in organizations um, I tend to be very committed mm-hmm. uh, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary a couple of weeks from now mm-hmm. and uh, and I've been very strongly committed to um, to my own projects to organizations I've been involved in uh, so yeah just to put a little more weight on your mm-hmm. uh, uh, in favor of sevens that yes. they're not flakes i agree
1: i agree <laughs> yes yes
5: um so um in terms of, of balance for me um the 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 need was uh to just be grounded mm. i tended as i said earlier to discount so much the ordinary you know the mundane mm. parts of life the the, the things that need to be done to just move forward, mm-hmm. um, and not only move forward, but to build solidly. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't have much of a concept of that when I was young. So um, these last twelve years, I've been running a landscaping business, which is pretty grounded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yes. And I, and I have uh, four, sometimes five employees, and mm-hmm. who need to be scheduled and directed. And I have forty clients that need to be taken care of with great detail, because you near never hear about all. The good things that you do, you hear about the things that don't get done, mm-hmm. or the things that weren't done right. I have to be hugely detail oriented. None of that came naturally to me, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. so I'm um, learning to discipline myself to take joy in these mundane things. Mm-hmm. was was very very important. So that's been a, a really mm-hmm. good balance for mm-hmm. for my imaginative, flighty, expansive seven kind of qualities.
6: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Balancing that out by getting more focused, getting more grounded. Yeah. Yeah. It's sometimes said that sevens love the idea stage, but implementing their plans is harder.
5: Oh, yeah. It's excruciating to have Mm -hmm. to go through all that, Mm -hmm. especially the billing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's so funny. One time I did a panel of sevens and they all agreed in the biggest to the highest degree that they all disliked paperwork.
5: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah.
1: billing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: And and also I want to say that you know I've come to really um, I've really come to honor deeply the ordinary and mm. ordinary people and um, and that's been that's been a real liberation for me. Mm. Yeah.
1: Are you okay being bored now?
5: Uh, I, it's I'm, it's impossible to be bored everything's beautiful everything's beautiful <laughs> my sister said about me she gets very irritated because she's very she's rather rational and scientific and mm-hmm. and she says rolling her eyes she says i have an epiphanous brother
1: epiphanous oh that's great what a great word
5: yeah yeah i have to control myself because for for the first
1: epiphanous. like
5: the first Three, de- three or four decades of my life, I believed that the way I was was the way everybody should be. And I was dedicated to helping everybody see mm-hmm. the glory of everything and the beauty of everything and, you know, the wonder of everything. And, and then I learned slowly that people got a little irritated by that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: That's really, it's great. You're listening to a TNS episode from the Enneagram Panel Workshop Series with Beatrice Chestnut and host Michael Lerner.
1: Anything you also you want to say about the growth process, or you know, anything about any of that?
5: And um, I don't know. In terms of, I guess I touched on it earlier. In terms of dealing with with um, difficulties and negative emotions, and other people's negative emotions, and 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 hard conversations. I feel like I've um, yeah I avoided that a lot in earlier years, mm-hmm. and now it I, I I really honor that and have gotten quite good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. How have you learned? How did you learn to get better at it?
5: Um, well, being forced to face my own uh, negative sides, my my shadows, mm-hmm. which I tried you know uh, really to avoid. I tried every possible way to avoid those shadows for for years, and then and then being forced up against. Against them, mm. um, really forced me to look and to work and to drop down, mm-hmm. and uh, and so then I got into the work. Actually, I mean I've been involved with a organization called the Mankind Project now for years mm. that works a great deal with with shadow and helping men to understand and work with their shadows in a po- in a positive way, mm-hmm. in the yep, interest of, of avoiding violence and depression mm. and everything else that goes along with That's it. That's great work. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to just say a little bit. You you can hold on to that because I've got this. Um, a little bit about the arrow movements because I think they're especially interesting with seven. We touched on it a little bit. Charlotte mentioned five, um, but so sevens uh, they're going against the arrow. They go to five, uh, and five is. Um, Five is a place where they can, exactly like they've been saying, I think in many different beautiful ways, um, go inside, go deeper into their own experience, sink into uh, areas of knowledge or area of work that they may be uh, uh, working in. Sometimes sevens um, that relate to the phrase, Jack of all trades, master of none. So here they get more deeply into developing more expertise and their skill in a deeper way. Um, knowing more, being more internal, quieter, slowing down, going like when they talked about going into nature, I think all of these might be going into a five space, coming out of the world and more deeply into themselves uh, and, and thinking more deeply about things. Um, and then that gives them more grounding inside themselves to make the more difficult trip to one. Uh, One is sometimes called the stress point, but I think it's actually the point of spiritual growth as well. And of course, spiritual growth is stressful. Uh, So it makes sense that that's harder or more challenging. But sevens, when they go to one, it's a little bit, it's like, well, what they've been talking about already really clearly, which is, Uh, needing to get more grounded, more grounded in the body, Uh, learning to implement their idealistic ideas and the possibilities they envision uh, in reality, learning what are the steps that are needed to take to get more grounded and more practical. Uh, Ones are very good at at creating processes and making things happen through a step-by-step Uh, routine or or rule-bound way. And so it helps sevens learn to be more self-disciplined, learning to bring their visions into reality in a more grounded way and learning to be more in their body. Uh, and more in, in, to, to exactly like Garth was just saying, balancing out the, the ability to be very mental and envision and imagine in such beautiful, big ways, uh, but then learning to balance that out by being more in the body and more in the world and more in the step-by-step process of implementing things or making things happen in that way.
5: I've been building business systems for the last two or three years. Ah. anathema to a seven. So <laughs> to me, at
1: least. So, so that's been an ach- achievement that you've been doing lately. Yeah, that yeah. wouldn't have been wouldn't have come so naturally to you. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I think that one stuff is stuff that doesn't come so naturally to sevens. That uh, uh, it, it can feel more tedious and boring and not as fun. And yet, when they're able to really do that, it's a it's a really nice way to balance out what they tend to be so good at in terms of innovative thinking and positive visions. Yes, please, yeah, Yeah. add something. So I just
2: wanted to add a dark side of the seven, going to the one. Oh, please. (laughs) And that is, yeah, so when when I'm really stressed out, like I, I notice it if I'm putting on some big training program or workshop, And I get there anally early and I'm totally in a one mode. I mean, Mm. I am making sure every I is dotted, every T. People who work with me, you know, just think I'm a different, if they don't know Enneagram, and the Enneagram, they think of Myers-Briggs, you know, they think that I'm like, you know, just, Mm-hmm. STJ, you know, mm-hmm. because I am. I just turn into this crazy lady and just making sure everything is perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. And then once, and it's funny because if I work with somebody who's like that, then I can relax and be myself and self and have fun. Ah,
1: interesting. So
2: it's really better yes. if I work with somebody who's opposite from me.
1: Yes, um,
2: who takes that role. And I remember that I worked with this one fellow who was very STJ and he was ESTJ and he always had his watch on, he was just anal about the time. And it was so great working with him because hmm. I could throw my watch off and like hmm. relax and laugh and have fun. Otherwise I would have taken that role. Ah, Interesting. So I really yes. noticed that when I'm stressed, yes. you know, how really crazy I get and I have to breathe and try to go to the five and meditate and do all these things to come back to.
1: Yeah, so you remind us self. that we can slide to both airline points in an unconscious way where we often act out sort of the lower tendencies of that type, you know? And so that's one way that the arrows make sense is that they're places almost like release valves where we can go under certain circumstances. Um, And it's a great example of seven going to one in in, under those circumstances. But then there are also developmental opportunities. So mm-hmm. we can also use them as ways to balance ourselves out in a bigger way to, mm-hmm. to be more than than just our personality. Yeah.
2: And to be successful with my business, yes. I've used the good parts exactly. of the one. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, yeah.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. right. Which again, if you, look, if you know seven and one at this point, you can see how they're really good balancing points. Similar mm-hmm. when ones go to seven, it's really freeing for them mm-hmm. to be able to have more fun and be lighter and more relaxed and just go with the flow and be mm-hmm. spun spontaneous the way healthy sevens are. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Anyone else want to comment to those, make a comment around those movements to five and one?
3: Yeah. Very, very similar. When I'm stressed at work, the highs and the lows of being in one, I, the not so positive part is I get extremely critical and judgmental. And of myself, we talked about, touched on this earlier about sevens being self-criticizing and I can beat myself up like crazy, but other people too. And very like okay. rigid. Yeah. Um, so that's not, that's the not pretty side, but <laughs> the positive side is that with that monkey mind, it helps to get me grounded. It helps mm-hmm. to. So I work with a lot of paper. I'm, I do contracts. I'm a contracts negotiator. So, um, and I've got a lot of projects, so it helps me to get focused. Okay. I can get into my projects or my contracts and really, um, be productive. Be mm-hmm. much more productive. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. – and be, you know, with my mind and be spot on with –
1: Kind of kind of blend the sort of sharp mind with the right. sort of more sort of discipline around exactly. getting things done and exactly. doing something in a particular way.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's um, – so I do, I appreciate that part of the one. Yeah. Um, and then with the five, yeah, exactly that. It's, it's, it's locking myself up in my house. Just I can get lost in my house and, and away from the outside world, away yeah. from all the social activities mm-hmm. um, allows me to go in and to just be with me. And it's funny, one time I, I was going through a period of where a really, um, um, uh, you know, what's that word? Respect, uh, you know, thinking about things. Mm. Can't think Re- of the word. Reflective, retrospective. Thank you. Yeah, Re- a retrospective. retrospective period. And mm. I was talking to a friend on the phone, and he said to me something like, "You know, you're being really stingy." And I thought, "Wow, isn't that interesting?" Mm. For the five with avarice of my mm-hmm. time and not wanting to mm. to do all this, but it, mm-hmm. it didn't bother me because I, it just it felt like what I needed yeah, to be it doing. Yeah, might have been more
1: of a balancing out yeah. of being too much out there, right. giving giving
3: too much. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So that's been my experience. Okay.
4: Mine's very similar. Not a whole lot to add, but definitely very critical and judgmental under stress, especially with people close to me um, and just lashing out. And now I catch myself more when I'm doing it. And try to take a step back, but it's still like the, you know, it's like the the jury's already heard the information, so you can't really take it back. Um, and I had a, a, a boyfriend say that to me one time. I, I, I said something to him. I said, "Never mind, never mind." He goes, "You can't take it back. You've already said it. The jury's, there, you know." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> sorry." You can't unsay <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, very very critical, and and thinking that everybody should do things the way that I would do them, and thinking that everyone thinks the same way that I do. And then Mm -hmm. when they don't, it's like, I'm like surprised and shocked. And the reality of it is, is like, it's really great that we all don't think alike. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then for, for the, the five side, for me, it's really learning how to say no. I mean, last Mm -hmm. night there were lots of different things I could do. I had a few different invites and I said, you know, I'm going to actually take a bath and read an Enneagram book. So it was like, <laughs> ah, that was, that was just little things like that, just the saying the no when I've for so many years been yes to everything and fit so many things in, in a day that the average person would go, how could you even possibly do that? And now mm-hmm. I realize the value in the, in the no's and saying mm-hmm. no and slowing down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful.
1: Okay.
4: Thanks. Anything you want to add, or you kind of already spoke to that?
1: No, I'll just
5: yeah. emphasize the same thing about the, about the no. Just, mm-hmm. just the last couple of years, beginning to realize mm-hmm. how, how wonderful it is to just go into my own space and not have to respond to everything and everybody all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Because everyone sees us as this fun, we're fun beings of light, yeah. and we always have, the, we know where the party is, and we know where the gatherings are, and we know where, you know, and and even though we do, we we forget that sometimes not going to that party is actually a really good
1: thing. Mm, mm-hmm.
4: Fiving out inside the house can be a good balancing point mm. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, thank you so much. Uh, Michael, is there any comment or question you had for the panel?
6: Well, first of all, I just think it's all the panels today have been extraordinary, but listening to the sixes and the sevens has been amazing. Um, and I appreciate sevens a lot. I learned some things today. I didn't know sevens were so sensitive to criticism. I didn't know that, that uh, you struggled with that. And the other thing I've just been learning, I'm more aware of today, is how real uh, the growth trajectories are for all of us. You know, that we start with these patterns and then just listening to you all talk about how you've grown, is very powerful. So I think what I'm sensing right now, which goes into the question period that we'll have and then the final time with Beatrice, is um, just the growth that is taking place in me by the experience of these three days together and listening to all of these things. I think partly because, <clears throat> because I am so comfortable with being a social Slash sexual five and enjoying the space so much. And then I listen to the types that struggle more with growth. And I think to myself, somehow your struggles inspire me to go beyond my comfort mm-hmm. and and more consciously explore. Where the growth trajectories are—I mean, something like that—but I, I just have a deep sense of how, um, how extraordinary these three days of panels have been, um, both um, in deepening my sense of enneagram, but also just in our individual and collective movement, that just feels to me like there's something going on here. I mean, Commonweal's a place, you know, given that Arlene Altman and I, Arlene is here, uh, have done 200, would you raise your hand, Arlene? Arlene coordinates the Cancer Help Program, and Mm -hmm. so we've done 205 week-long retreats, and those retreats tend to be extremely powerful and transformational. So this is a place where these kinds of experiences happen. And I just experience in some quiet way that happening with the community of us that have gone through this, that there's movement taking place in us as a result of doing this together. I mean, one of our friends, Francis Weller, has a great line. I forget who he takes it from. But he says this work is the solitary journey that you cannot do alone. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is the solitary work mm-hmm. that you cannot mm-hmm. do alone mm-hmm. and I feel that about what's happening here that this is the solitary work but we can't do it alone mm-hmm. and when we create this kind of energetic body uh, it intensifies our collective ability to do the solitary work by coming together to do it mm-hmm. so yes. something like that okay. Yeah. thank you thank you Who said that? -hmm. Who said that? that? Excuse me? Who said that? Well, Francis Weller, who co-leads the Cancer Help Program, is the person who uses the quote. But he he borrowed it from someone. Um, If it comes to me, I'll let you know.
1: And it fits with the Enneagram because Gurdjieff said, alone, one man can do nothing. Like, we need to do this by definition in groups and collectively. It's collective work. Yeah. So questions for the sevens. Yes.
5: I have a question for you. I'm kind of new to Enneagram and I'm trying to understand the arrow system. And as I'm looking at the patterns, I notice like all of the body types, they have arrows going to both the heart and the head. And in most systems of Growth I've heard about you sort of integrate the mind, the body, the heart.
6: Mm
5: -hmm. Um, But with the heart and the head types, two of them don't integrate to the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, They integrate to the the body and again to the head, or they integrate to the heart, or again to the body. Right. Um, So I'm wondering if there's any significance to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's true that all of us need to incorporate. Body, mind, and spirit, and you know, we all need to get into all three centers. I think that's just sort of a basic idea behind the enneagram. But I do think there there are specific types that the arrow lines are more about balancing and antidotes, uh, and sometimes it's said that, for instance, so f- for uh, for instance, doesn't four goes to two and one. Uh, and so sometimes it said that four's head type is actually seven because there's an invisible line between four and seven, but you can also think about it as four is going to one and then seven. Um, but, but I'm not exactly sure why the why, all the why behind it, but, um, but I know that first and foremost, those are balancing points, but yes. And at the same time, we all need to integrate all three centers and, um, Apparently, there was a comment beneath one of the videos that they posted that I'm. Someone was saying I'm a five and not a two, and I took that as a big compliment because <laughs> um, I think I think I am pretty mental for a two, you know. So I think there are also hidden ways that these things show up, but uh, I'm not exactly sure of a complete answer for your definition. But that observation is on point for sure. That that, that not every type goes to sort of a head type, uh, two other centers. Yeah, yeah. Other questions? For sevens, yeah.
2: Well, we had two people who talked about physical injuries or physical impairments recently. And I'm curious how that, when you're in a sense brought down physically and you can't be out there, I don't know, I'm just curious about that experience. Is that experience different for a seven than it is for somebody else?
1: Mm -hmm. Anything either of you want to say about, anyone want to say about sort of being physically limited given the difficulty with limitation? Yeah, Charlotte.
2: So I actually had a couple sort of different experiences with this because one is I suddenly got Guillain-Barre, which was very, mm-hmm. very serious, where all of a sudden I started getting paralyzed on the legs. Wow. Yeah, it was just, it came on very suddenly. Fortunately, within three months, I was, I was a miracle person that just was healed from it. But it was, I was in such denial mm-hmm. the week that I was getting it. I'm telling you, it was really weird. And I remember my sister researching cause I started having these symptoms and she was saying, I think you have Guillain-Barre. And I wrote back, there is no way I have that. Wow. Like I just got this like mm-hmm. strong, like whew, eight en- energy. You know, mm-hmm. like, are you kidding me? No way would I have that like mm-hmm. total denial. And then, you know, and then I, when they took me to intensive care and they said, I'm admitting you, I I said, no. Like, Mm -hmm. are you kidding me? You know, it, it was so. When I look mm. back on it, I was in complete denial. Like almost mm. the whole first part of it. Mm-hmm. People say you're really sick, and no way. I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, I don't do. Mm-hmm. I don't do serious sickness. Like <laughs> maybe a, maybe a knee surgery or something. But no, I don't mm-hmm. do serious. So Mm -hmm. that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And I realized in retrospect, that was my seven, like just trying to protect me from Mm -hmm. how scary it was. Like Mm -hmm. I look back now and get scared. But um, so that was one thing. But then to Kathleen's question, I mean, we're friends. So she knows Mm -hmm. that I've been struggling with I am so active with biking and being out in nature and i've been going crazy with Mm. just being in the house and there's only so much reading i want to do and i'm not one to watch tv so um i've been begging people to come over and visit me Mm. come Mm. over and visit me because (laughs) (laughs) you've got to (laughs) <laughs> yeah, really. No, I have. And then I, I was able to drive after two weeks and I got really excited. I thought, oh, I can drive. But then I realized, no, you're all dressed up. You have nowhere to go. You can't do anything. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't go hiking. I can go for a drive. I can go to Trader Joe's, but <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah. So it's, it's not just, easy.
1: It sounds like. No,
2: it's just, was. it's yes. been frustrating. So
3: I'll just share one thing. I was, um, training for a triathlon and I tripped and fell and broke my finger and had to have surgery and I had this big thing I had to wear and I had I couldn't do the triathlon I couldn't do my training and so for two months I just went into this depression now it was a depression for me because I wasn't getting that adrenaline that I was getting from all the exercise Mm -hmm. that I had been doing I couldn't go and do all the things I mean just in every way I just was depressed for two Mm -hmm.
4: months yeah that Mm -hmm. can happen Yeah. yeah Yeah, we'll just pass it along the line because yeah. yeah. I think we all have a story. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I totally can relate to both of you guys with the with not being just being grounded at home. And I don't, I don't know your question about is it different than other types the right. pain? Yeah. I, that's yeah. a good question. I don't yeah. know. Um, I think
1: that denial may be one piece of it or that it's a big deal, that it really is hard to be limited in that physical way. And so I think denial and depression, I think these are, it makes sense, you know, in Mm -hmm. terms of it's really hard as a seven to experience something like that.
4: Yeah. I mean, I know even with my own back pain, I, after like going around and around with the insurance company and they finally denied my MRI. And at that point I was still not mobile. And I said, you know what, I'm taking my health into my own hands, forget about it. And so I started doing tons of research and I was like, okay. So, and then I started looking at the worst possible scenarios I was like, okay, if I have herniated discs and I'm gonna have to have surgery and oh my God, you know, and I just, but I realized that I needed. to, to get moving. Even if I didn't feel like I could move, I needed to try and move. And the more I took my health into my own hands, and it was just great. And probably the best thing that happened to me during the whole being down was I have a friend that's really into Enneagram. And since I was pretty new at it, and she left 10 Enneagram books on her doorstep for me. So I just got to read and read and read and read until I couldn't read anymore. But mm. but that whole, the depression is real. like it's It's really real when you're used to being super active and super busy. And to be down like that, it's like... Yeah. And you wonder if it's going to end. And when it does, and it starts to subside, like you had the freedom to drive and like, you you know, it's like, right. It's like, ah, it's wonderful.
6: Yeah, I get it. Totally get it. You know, one thing I haven't sort of fully heard said about sevens, I have a, a friend who's a very evolved spiritual seven, and he is so positive about everyone and everything. And he always, and it doesn't come across as um, fake in any way. It's just like this deep spiritual sense. You know, um, the the beautiful quote, and all will be well, and all manner of things will be well. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was coming up to me when some of you were talking about denial is that psychologically denial gets a lot of bad press, which isn't necessarily deserved. The denial in illness or in difficult situations can actually be a tremendously positive force. And if you just think about, you know, Garth was talking about, I think it was Garth talking about, uh, somebody was talking about teaching imagery. Uh, Yeah. Uh, there, There are all, I mean, it can be done badly. It can be turned into a, you know, just sort of a new age stereotype of positive thinking will get you there. But it's also true That done well, that positive thinking and imagery and denial and all these ways of uh, can, in fact, be profoundly beneficial. So it just seems to me that one of the high, the truest high sides of seven is that it is a guide to that spiritual reality, physical reality, social and emotional reality, that bringing this affirmation into the world Mm -hmm. can move the arc in the right direction.
5: Yeah. I had a, about a year and a half ago, I had a really um, horrendous shoulder accident plunging over a, an embankment on my bicycle <clears throat> and uh, just tore it all up. And t- it took a year and a half to get better. At first, I, I thought, okay, um, this I've never had anything like this before. How am I gonna respond to this? And I thought, well, I guess I just better decide that I'm old now. <laughs> this, is, this is my rite of passage into my later years, and I won't ride my bike anymore. And uh, I'll just be more studious and take the quiet time I've been wanting and so on. But something in me, my seven nature, you know, that adventurous nature, I, you know, people said, Are you driving? I said, Of course I'm driving. And, and you know, the whole 10 10 o'clock 2 o'clock on the driving I've never done that you know I drive with my knees it doesn't matter if one arm's gone I could drive with both arms gone and so I, I was driving right away and then I went you know like two weeks after the accident I was at a Mankind Project weekend, and they gave me, um, you know, uh, supervising the, the cleanup as one of my as one of my duties, and I couldn't stand everybody everybody else working, so I was like mopping with one hand, you know, mm-hmm. while the other arm was in a sling. And so there's this force inside of inside of me, perhaps as a seven, that is, you know, that's just so life affirming and adventurous and wanting to wanting to do. So then I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna get back on my bicycle, but I won't ride on the trails anymore. I'll just ride on the safe fire roads. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I was back on the very same trail that I injured myself mm-hmm. on, you know, almost like the third ride. I was back on that trail, but just a little more carefully this time. Mm-hmm. So there's something, you know, there's, there's this force. Irrepressible. Yeah, irrepressible Yes,
1: force, yeah. yes, yes. <clears throat>
6: okay, other questions? Yeah. Um, as I understand it, sevens need a lot of room in a relationship to do their own thing and spread their
5: wings. And I'm just wondering, for those of us who are in close relationship with sevens, how can we give you the space to spread your wings uh,
3: without sort of sacrificing our desire to have closeness with you? Mm.
1: Mm. To manage both. Good question. How can they? How can we be in a relationship with you and give you space, but at the same time, you know, have a good
4: relationship and be in contact? I would say the big part is communication. Like being in communication with us, letting us know what your needs are, so that we. We because we want we want to honor your needs, and we also want to honor our own needs for space. But if you let us know, you know we, we I have this desire to be close to you, how are you feeling about it, and let us be a part of the process, I, I think for me, that would be really helpful.
5: Yeah. Anyone else? I'll, I'll see something. I think entering into the adventurous spirit is really important. Uh, I'm in relationship with the six and so almost anything that i suggest the immediate answer is no it doesn't doesn't tend towards you know uh, the cultivating you know a, a lot of uh, yeah what you want so being able to enter into the the, to the adventurous spirit and go along with that is really helpful
1: mm-hmm.
5: being positive yeah
1: mm-hmm. anyone else want to okay want to say something about your successful 13-year relationship?
3: (laughs) Um, We get, I think because we met later in life. Mm. So we're both very independent. So he gives me a lot of space. I give him a lot of space. We often take separate trips, Mm -hmm. not necessarily, I mean, usually family oriented. I mean, we'll do vacations together, but, and I think we both really relish in having that time alone or to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we give that to each other. It's it's mm-hmm. not a problem. Mm-hmm. And so that's worked very well for us. Um, in terms of friends, friendships, I'm not sure if you're talking about romantic or just Both. in general friends. Yeah, friends. Yeah, close relationships. Uh, yeah, close relationships. Um, communication, yes, is key. Adventure, I, I kind of agree, something adventurous. For me, if it's too sticky, that that's can be a, an issue for me if I feel they're too needy or too sticky. So, sticky
1: being kind of the person's needy, yeah. needing things of you and... Glomming on. Mm, yeah. on. <laughs> on. Yeah. Glomming on. Yeah. Okay.
3: So, um, you know, at first I want to say, you know, give us, you know, if we you make a date or something to give time, but I also like spontaneity. I like, hey, can you meet for breakfast this morning? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the best thing because it's, I don't have a plan and yeah, I'm free and that sounds great. So... Yeah. I think just what I would add is just about
2: constant negativity. I mean, that's something if whether it be like putting out an offer and having the person constantly saying, I don't think so. I'm cleaning my sock drawer today. You know, (laughs) (laughs) know, after a while, it's like, you know so people i mean in my relationships it's people who say yes you know people who say yes to an offer people who offer back so the reciprocity the um and the positivity i mean and i could relate with having friends call and i i will spend time helping problem solve and and i love that i love being and i think closeness i i don't know about the closeness is really important to me mm-hmm. i mean Intimacy and my friendships are just something I so highly value. So it's not about that kind of space. It's more about, you know, don't fence me in with your negativity or saying no to the offers, that kind of thing. That that's infringing upon my space. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah,
2: but it's not the closeness or the caring. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: you like closeness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Looks like we might be finished. Okay. Thank you very much, Sevens.
0: You've been listening to a TNS episode documenting the Type 7 panel from the Enneagram Workshop Series. Thank you for listening to TNS, The New School at Commonweal. The New School at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kara Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. And our theme music is by Suzanne Chiani. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and Vimeo. Thanks for listening.